I want to try to preach with the help of the Lord tonight. Amen. And I've sensed in this conference that we like preaching. That we want to get back to it. I've heard it preached that the day of Bible studies are over. For you it might be, but not for the bunch that's going to be saved. Because we're going to have preaching from now on. That's what will save us. Hallelujah. I don't, uh, I don't care what they tell me or, or how they can run it down. You're not going to be saved without it. That's what pleased God to save you with, is preaching. I'm going tonight to Matthew 24 and to the, uh, well, the fourth verse, uh, first of all. Then I'll be skipping down to the 15th verse. I'll be reading from the, uh, closer to the, to the original, so it'll sound a little different. Matthew 24. See that no man deceives you. For many shall come in my name saying, I, I am. Ego, Amy. It's a double presentation that Jesus used when he said before Abraham was, I am. He said, I go, I me, I, I am. Here he said, many going to come and say that I, I am the Christ, and many shall be deceived. But you are about to hear of wars and rumors of wars, and see that you are not scared out of your wits. The word that is used is troeste, from the word which means to scream or to startle out of your faculties. Jesus said, see that you're not scared out of your wits, but the end telos is not yet. When, uh, then I'm going down to the 15th verse, if you will. When you therefore see the abomination of desolations, which was spoken through Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him gain an insight. Then let those who are in Judea flee into the mountains. He who is upon the rooftop, let him not come down to take anything out of his house. He who is in the field, let him not turn back to take his clothes. Three things that Jesus did primarily in Matthew 24. And that is, he told them of the destruction of the temple. They had just walked out of the temple. And he said, look around you. There's not going to be one stone left on another. And that was a startling fact to them. Then uh, he began to talk to him. They asked him questions. He prophesied, of course, and told them of the destruction of Jerusalem and of coming tribulation and of his personal coming to the earth. Now, there's a lot of people that uh, get mixed up about some things, and I don't have time tonight to go into all of Matthew 24 uh, and give it to you verse by verse. 
But I believe that uh, Jesus was giving them very pertinent instructions which were taken. Uh, they did take that into account, and it did help them. He said that, uh, you see that you're not scared out of your wits? And I am asked how it is that we who understand the times and know where we are can seem to be so peaceful about it. I tell you what, we know more about what's just going on in this world. We know what's going on in the realms of glory. He wants to come back for his church, and we believe that's first and foremost. Some believe that the church is going through the tribulation, and they probably will. But as for me and my house, I want to be out of here when it all takes place. I've got 70 proofs that the church won't go through that, which is erroneously called tribulation. Actually, the 70th week of Daniel, it is designed for the Jews primarily. But then he comes down and tells them, when you see the abomination of desolation, which is spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, then he gives instructions to those that are in Judea, to those that are in the area, to those that are on top of the house, and to those that are working in the field. And I want to give you those instructions tonight in just a little while. I'm going to bring it down close to us with some instructions and some advice that are given to us, that's given to us in this last hour right here tonight. Would you like to hear it? Do you think we need some advice and some help? Amen. I don't presume tonight to be the wisest of all, but I've got a little spirit down within me that tells me some secrets every now and then, and I'd like for you to know what I feel God is telling me tonight. I'm not going to pull any punches. I believe the church needs help. I believe we're going to be victorious, but we're going to have to listen to his word before we do. We're not going to shout our way through it. We're going to have to live and preach our way through it. Thank God. He said, now you that are in Judea, you go to the mountains. When you see Jerusalem uh, compassed about with armies, don't go there. You flee to the mountains. Eusebius tells us, a historian, that uh, there was not a Christian as well as Josephus and other historians that there was not a Christian left in Jerusalem when Titus came in 70 A.D., that there wasn't a Christian there. They took the advice that Jesus gave, and he said, Whosoever reads, let him gain an insight. Eusebius said there was a written law that they obeyed. They went to a place called Pella, which is about 17 miles south of Galilee, and they abode there, and they missed it. They wasn't in that when Titus came outside of the city and set up uh, the great catapults and uh, called for the surrender of Jerusalem, and of course they refused they painted the stones white that were to be thrown in Jerusalem so that it is recorded when the Jews looked up and into the sun and they saw the white stones being cast into Jerusalem. They cried, Behold the sun! 
S-O-N cometh. And sure enough, it was destruction. Those that are in Jerusalem go to the mountains. Those that are on the rooftop don't come down. Well, somebody says, what happened to them? Did they stay on the roof? That's what I want to preach about tonight. Eusebius tells us that there was a thing called by the Jewish priests known as the road of the roofs. The flat roofs built in Jerusalem that you could travel upon them until you reached the wall of the gate and you could go through. The instruction was, don't come down and take anything out of the house, but you stay on the rooftops. There's a road up there that you can travel that's above the conundrum of the street. That's above the level of the melee. That is above the strife below. You can flee and not be touched. Actually, the word flee there is fugo again, which is flight. And then King James did interpret it right when he said, pray that your flight be not in the winter. And then he gives the instruction that those that are out in the field don't come back to take your garment, actually it's singular cloak, but just leave it. Don't worry about anything that's in the house. You that are coming into uh, Judea, you're in the area, go to the mountains. You that are on the roof, place of meditation, a place they spent a good bit of time because of the lack of space it was, you don't come down, but you travel those roads of the roof. Then you're in the field working. Don't come back for the garments to dress up. Somebody said that the early church made a mistake when they brought everything they owned together and had all things common. I've heard that preached. In fact, I used to say it myself. But I don't believe they were making a mistake because they were within 28 or 29 years from the instruction that Jesus had given them relative to Jerusalem and to the destruction. You see, the abominations spoken of by Daniel uh, of desolations is plural. In the book of Daniel, it is the abomination of desolations. I believe there were two that prefigure the final one that shall come. Antiochus Epiphanes in 175 who sacrificed the pig upon the altar and desecrated the temple and killed the Jews was certainly a type of the Antichrist and was used in Daniel 9. But there again, uh, Titus in 70 AD in the destruction of Jerusalem also desecrated the temple and profaned it and made sacrilegious and made it commerce. It has actually to do with the word profamous, which means to make common or to bring down to just an everyday level. I believe in keeping the house of God on a high plane and a high level. But I believe the Antichrist was prefigured at least twice by these two individuals. And uh, there is coming a day when once again that temple that they shall build will be profane. 
But in this particular connection, I believe that Jesus was giving them the instructions and telling them what to do immediately. And 28 or 29 years from that day after Pentecost, after the Holy Ghost had fallen, after there was a New Testament church, they sold everything they had. And a lot of people, and I have always thought that, that maybe they made a mistake. But there are historians that say that practice continued until the destruction of Jerusalem because of the law of the priests that they traveled the road of the roofs to escape the destruction that was coming upon Jerusalem. There was roofs upon the roofs in that day. And the reason they had all things common is because that Jesus said, don't worry about your stuff. Don't worry about what you've got in your house. Don't worry about what you, you've got when you're working in the field. But leave it behind and forget about it. Just go ahead and get out of there. Amen. That's good instruction. And they obeyed it. I can see a father. Pardon me, i got to walk around. Amen. I can't be tied down. That's like be preaching in a wash tub. But uh, I believe that uh, uh, when maybe a father coming into Jerusalem with his family and all of a sudden on seeing the walls surrounded by the armies of uh, Titus under his old father Vespasian, as when he saw it surrounded, he uh, said, wait a minute, son, just slip back just a moment. And he slipped back into the brush and said, we can't go down there. Why not, Daddy? we got to go home. We can't stay out here. But there is a law that was given to us a long time ago by our Lord. And he told us when we saw that surrounding and when we saw this thing began to happen for us not to go there. And so he took off and they fled the other way. And the historians tell us that the church was successful in evading the destruction of Jerusalem that was prophesied. As I told you, I believe that there are instructions for the church today on the very, on the very eve of the final abomination or making common the temple of God. I believe that we're on the very verge of that again and I've got some instruction for you tonight and I'd like for God to write it on our heart as a law. And for us to obey it. Because it's his word. I say there are roads of the roof. I say there's a way we can travel to get out of here and escape something that's going on. I've heard prediction of what's going to happen to us all the way through. I'm not ready to buy any of it because I believe we've got one captain and one that knows exactly what to tell us how to do. The only thing that we need right now is ministry with the fortitude to stand up and tell everybody what needs to be done in these last days. This is the generation upon whom the ends of the world have come and we're not playing here tonight. I'm ready. I'm serious about what I'm talking about. There are roads on the rooftop that you and I can travel, that we can stay above the level and the conundrum of this world. 
There is a way to remain holy. There is a way to remain straight. There is a way to retain the presence of God and not become involved in the fight that's going on in the street. And I'll give it to you in just a moment. But I want to mention again, once again, that we're not playing here tonight. And nobody here scares me. Jesus said, don't be scared out of your wits. And there's nobody scaring me here tonight. Because I know what I've got to do to be saved. And I know what the Bible tells you that you've got to do in order to be saved. And we better get on with it. A lot of a lot of make belief and a lot of sham and a lot of things that move on through our lives. We need to get a hold of it. Somebody said, "Do you believe in end time revival?" I believe in revival any time. I believe it started with the prophecy of Joel, fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, still being fulfilled today. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of offshoots of the thing that has been called in time revival that I don't care about. And that was quite, I told you you disagree, and I don't, I don't the glory in a disagreement. But I'm going to tell you what, I am against shouting when it's not real. I am against receiving the Holy Ghost without repentance. And I've seen it happen among us. Thank God I am against it. There are roads at the rooftop. And you and I better be traveling those roads tonight. We better get up there because our Lord is coming for that church real soon. I don't believe the church is going through what is erroneously called a tribulation. Actually, it's a word which means pressure. And the same word was used by Paul to the church. We're under pressure right now. And I'm telling you what, Jesus said, speaking of the destruction of Jerusalem, these are the beginning of birth pains. These are the beginning of sorrows. But God is not a sadist. He does not predict a judgment, and he does not enjoy destruction. But actually, it is a birthing. It is bringing about a kingdom that's going to live right here. Thank God where that this earth is going to be ruled by his people. And before that comes, there's got to be birth pangs and there's got to be sorrow. And Jesus said this is the beginning of them. But I'm going to tell you what, if the church does not go through that, then the Lord's going to have to come for his church real soon because it's building up and she's ready and we're almost there right now. Roads of the roof. See that you don't come down, but you stay up there and travel that until you get out safely. Glory. Oh, it's a high place. It's a glorious way. You don't mix with anything else. You're on a good way when you're on the rooftop. A place of prayer and meditation. A place of consecration and desire. Amen? I'm going to tell you what. I agree. There were two mistakes made one time in Israel. They were serving Baal, and they were coming to fight the Philistines, and somebody had an idea. They remembered what God had done before with and by his presence, so they said, we better get that Ark of the Covenant down here so we can have some victory. The first mistake was made to think that God was in the box. It only represented his presence while they were living for him. And the Israelites said, we can bring that thing down here and we can have the victory. They brought that box into the camp 
and everybody went to shouting. And I've heard shouting, and I believe in it, and I do it myself. But I'm going to tell you what we need right now, some instruction for the last time, and we've never need preaching like we need it right now. Hallelujah. They began to shout. The Philistines heard it, and they made a mistake. They heard the shouting. They said, woe is us, because God has come into the camp, and a thing has not been done like this before. They made a mistake. But, brother, when they went into battle, the Israelites were taken, and the ark was lost. I don't believe we can enclose God in a box. I don't believe we can build something and put him in there and say you've got to live right there and God's got to do just like we say. I believe he's got his own way. And we acquiesce and we give to his will. And we do what he says. And that's the only way out of it. I don't believe in programs and shouting about it, my friend, when there are other and fleshly ideas and ways to promote it. Amen. It's all quiet, but I believe it. Amen. I believe in revival, but I'm telling you right now, I had them come into my church, and I wasn't there. I don't know what I'd done if I had been there, but to come in and preach that you could speak in tongues any time you wanted to, and uh, that uh, our old-fashioned way of praying folks through at the altar was antiquated and outdated. We can get them in the back room, one man alone, and we can get them prayed through, and he can speak in tongues any time he wants to. I deny that. I don't believe you can do it. There are a lot of things that are produced. By some of the offshoots, it is not the desire of maybe the hearts of some, but it's very easy in these last days. The devil's going to see to it that we're deceived. Jesus said, that's the first thing. See that you're not deceived. Amen? Make sure that you're not deceived. And the way to do it, of course, is to travel that rooftop and stay above it. I believe that Jesus spoke to the church, the last church in the book of Revelations, and when he talked to Laodicea, some believe that those are not representative of church ages, simply uh, referred to seven churches of Asia, but they missed the word mysterion in that because it points to mystery. There's no mystery of there being seven churches. There were more than that there. I don't know why he picked just seven. I believe the key is that they do fit the church ages and that we're living in that period right now. He said, I've got this against you. You're fooled about who you are. And you're fooled about how well off you are. And you need to wake up and you need to do something. And so I've got some advice. He said, I advise you to buy of me. Now he said, you say we're rich and we're increased in goods and we don't need anything. He said, you think that you're all right. I believe it's a mark of the last day for you and us, uh, for, for you and I to take our reports, to look at ourselves and how we're doing and fool ourselves about the proper position that we're supposed to have about serving him and what we're supposed to be doing. Amen? And I feel like tonight that right here God is looking down and I mentioned a very unique period. I believe that we need to go back as the song said 
to the old time way. Traveled the roads of the rooftop. But he said, I'm going to tell you what I think about you. Here is the original. He says, I think that you're wretched. I think that you're pitiful. I think that you are naked. I think that you are blind. That's God's opinion of the whole thing. Amen. And I said tonight what I say as one of you, and I feel that kindred spirit. I feel tonight, and there's a lot of folks that are praying for me right now, and I appreciate it. But I'm going to tell you what. Your friend won't always agree with you. Amen. Your friend won't always agree with you. And I'm here to say right now, that I believe that there are some things that we need to quit considering about ourselves and start trying to buy some stuff from him that he advises us to buy. You think you're one thing, but you're something else. Amen. I know that in the effort to try to compete and to be big and to be great, I know of Sunday schools who reached there and averaged out by adding up the four numbers and forgetting to divide. Now you can multiply real good if you get that away. You can have a big one in no time at all. Oh, brother. Yes, sir. And I know, I know situations where that they use their own church and their own place to promote themselves. But I believe that God would have us to know that it's going to be like it always was. There is a true and there is a right. And I refuse to let the unreal and the hypocritical run me off of that which is real and that which is right. Hallelujah. I believe you speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Hallelujah to God. I don't believe you can do it any time you want to. Well, I got up and he started singing to my church and everybody was singing with him, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He said, all right, now let's all sing it in tongues. Everybody got quiet and looked at one another. And he said, what's the matter? Don't you know you can learn that just like you learn a language? He said, you, you, you're, you're making it too hard. He said, that's the trouble with the old time way. You got to get them in the altar and beat their heads to try to pray them through. That's not the way. He said, you can do it. They can learn it just like they learn anything else. I don't want to learn it like I learn anything else because I'm convinced tonight that that thing comes by a move of the Holy Ghost. And some way, somehow, we've got to keep the Spirit of God moving. And I refuse to be moved off of the truth that has been given us. Hallelujah to God. Don't let anybody scare you out of your wits. We're still on solid ground. We still have got the message and we know where we're going. Thank God it's about all over with. I believe that we're facing that time of the end and there's a lot of shaky things going on and it would please the devil if he could take this church tonight and move it around and scare it to death and make it lose some things and make it control some things and make it try to put it down and move it out of the way. But I feel like uh, that that advice is going to be listened to when you see this begin to happen. You just get up there where you can travel above all of it and stay there until you're delivered out of it and pray that your fight, your you go. We'll be very soon. Thank God we're waiting for that and we're longing for that. 
Jesus said, you're wrong. The biggest thing about that last church age is the conception and the idea that they had of themselves, that they were rich and increased in goods and that they didn't need anything. That was their big problem. They had the wrong idea about themselves. I think it's necessary for you and I to take a look at ourselves every now and then and see what part of us is not conducive to holiness. Amen? And I'm for evangelizing the world, but I'm not for evangelizing the world at the price of holiness. And when you look at that blessed old book and you read it, you'll find out there's more holiness there than there is anything else. Well, glory, glory, glory. There was even some, don't tell me, I don't know what I'm talking about, because I do. And I say it with love. One fellow said I love to say it. But uh, I'm telling you right now, there were some that were saying that Jesus can't come until this is preached to all of the world with the interpretation and the connotation that every man's got to hear it. If that's true, we're behind. it will never catch up. Have to resurrect those that are dead and apologize to them because they didn't hear the message. Amen. I'm going to tell you what Paul said in Colossians, that this gospel has been preached to every creature that is on this earth. I believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. I believe he could come tonight. And I'm for evangelizing the world. But the least stress on that above everything else is not biblical. And I'll be glad to talk with you about it. Glory. I got a sign. I want to put one on my door. I've already been preaching and had trouble with it. Women don't come in there with either shorts or wearing slacks or pants. I'm not asking you to nor telling you to, but I'm just telling you that that's what I'm going to do. Somebody said, you won't reach the crowd like that. No, but when I get them, I'd like for them to obey the Bible and I'd like for them to come into the house of God and reverence that thing. I just got back a week, uh, about two weeks, or a week and a half ago from Egypt, Israel, and Jordan. And I want you to know this old boy had to pull his shoes off in some places, put a rag on top of my head, and I laughed when they had some of those people going on tours and some of the women had to put some cover around their arms because they didn't have anything they didn't have any sleeves in their dresses and they made them cover their bodies before they went in that Muslim. You and I let them come in anyway so we can reach them. I'm going to tell you what. We don't go down to their level. When you come here, you come up and you obey the Word of God right here. I'm not saying you have to do it, but I believe it's abomination in the sight of God and I believe that temple, that place has got to be kept that way and you and I must not come down. Somebody said, well, we can play music or do other things and get in there with them and win them. I'm not about to go to the bar and sit down with some old drunk and say, pass the beer, buddy. I'm going to win you to Jesus. I'm not about to get on your level to win you. You'll come up to this. Thank God. This is the way to stay above it. The only way to stay above it. We can be so influenced by others that seem to have success and we might as well admit two-thirds of our churches are small. You don't hear that report much. Come to these conferences and we hear all about the glory and the wonderful and do this, 2,000, 3,000 in Sunday school. I'd like to have it. I want to have it. I'm praying for it, but there's some things I won't do to have it. 
Glory. Amen. Oh, my friend, we can be influenced all we want to by these that seem to be doing great things. You can have a whole big crowd and you can have the hearts of harlots on the inside of every one of them. Spiritual idiots that don't know the first thing about the Bible. We've got people that think the epistles of the apostles' wife. That's the truth. Amen. That's right. I've been places where you couldn't just mention David and Goliath. You had to tell the story. And heard it before. Get him in, count him, get him out. Paul said, Who are we trying to persuade anyway, men or God? Who are we trying to make believe with something anyway? Huh? What do you think? Well, what do you think we think we're going to be before we out? You reckon God's going to call us to the front of the world and say, Here is the biggest church that ever was. And I'm telling you, they're the, the most dressed up and they're this and that and the other. I don't believe it. I believe that we're going to be what we are because of what has been there all of our experience. Thank God. And my Lord tells me they're not going to like you for that. They're going to hate you for that. You won't get elected with that because they hate it and they'll hate you. He said, I'm going to tell you, this is the advice that I'm going to give you. He told that early church, he said, I want you to get on those rooftops and I want you to travel the roads of the roof until you get out. Then he wrote to the last church through John and he told him, he said, I tell you, you've got the wrong idea about yourself. I think you're miserable. I think that you are pitiful. I've seen folks shouting and look around to see if they're shouting about the right thing. Amen. One dear friend of mine that's here tonight told me about in their camp, one little girl took a picture of the other one shouting, and when she got through, they switched the camera, gave the camera to the other, and she made her picture shouting where they could get it down. Hallelujah. Oh, brother. Amen. Thank God. He said, I think you're pitiful. And it's pitiful when all we have is a shell and a make-believe and a shout and there is no real God in it. We can shout from now on and we can have what we call our own service and run the aisle and there not be anything in it. I've seen them look around to see if it is all right. Brother, there's nothing like the good, the holy presence of God coming down into your soul, predicated on a life and a prayer and a consecration and a moving of that spirit in such a way that you know you've been near the throne and you've been touched and what you've got is the real thing. I know, I know, I know that what I've got tonight is the real thing. And the only way that we can ever be satisfied with the worship from here until then is to keep it Bible-based and on that foundation right along. Jesus said, I think you're pitiful. I think you're miserable. I think you're blind. And I think you're naked. So I'm going to advise you something to do. You've got to get rid of some things you've got. And you've got to buy some other things. 
Somebody said, now how in the world are they going to buy if he said they were poor? Well, the trick of the whole thing is this don't cost you much as far as money's concerned. Amen. You can go ahead and get it. My advice is to buy. Somebody said, buy nothing. We're in an energy crisis right now, and everything is hard to get. Everybody got scared. You're talking about scared out of your wits. This world was scared out of our wits. The whole United States put together was scared out of their wits. First time I come to Texas during that oil crisis, I couldn't buy any gas or oil. Imagine that in Texas and can't buy oil and gas. That's pitiful. You're talking about being scared out of your wits when you can go to Texas and can't buy gas. Well, that's right. It got so bad that you couldn't even buy toilet paper. Somebody went on and told about there was a shortage of it, and they went out and, and our piano player plays the piano, runs a grocery store, said everybody come in and bought the place out of toilet paper. People go nuts when they think that you can't get something any longer. You know what I mean? Oh, brother. How, how are we going to act in the last few hours of the church? I wonder how scared and shaky we're going to get. I saw in Newsweek magazine not long ago a man standing with his hand on some boxes and uh, the caption underneath it was seven years of food that's stored up for what's coming. Yes, sir. It wasn't a religious man. This was figured out just from intellect. And he had seven years of food stored up and it was freeze-dried food and he could put his hands on top of it and feel real safe about it. But I'm going to tell you what, that's not what my Lord told you to buy in the last few hours this church is in this world. Because you can buy seven years of it and if you stay here you won't keep it 15 minutes. Because when I'm hungry and you've got it, I'll get some of it some way or another. The Mormons have got it stored up for seven years. I'm glad of it because they're going to need it when it's all over with. But as far as you and I are concerned, he says you go ahead and buy what I tell you to buy. I believe there ought to be a buying spree by this whole Pentecostal apostolic group. Thank God. I believe we ought to splurge tonight. We're being a little too careful. We're taking our steps a little too slow. We've got to wait until the general conference to find out what we're going to do. I'm going to tell you what, if this is the church, let's go ahead and buy. He says, go ahead and buy. That's the road to the rooftop. Go ahead and don't be careful. Go ahead and spend. Go ahead and splurge. Because you can't keep it anyhow. When the church is gone, it's going to be gone. And you can't keep it anyhow. You can have what I've got when I'm gone. But might fuss with you till I'm gone, but I, you can have it when I'm gone. Hallelujah. But he said, buy of me gold tried ek out of, ek out of puros, out of the fire. There's just a little better translation there by saying, buy of me gold that has been fired out of the fire, smelted out of the fire. It's too late for us to be buying some new stuff. We better buy that stuff that come out of the fire. That stuff that's been there for a while. The heat's been on it. Pressure's been on it. It stood the fire. It stood the test. It's still there. 
Hallelujah. I believe it's too late to change the mold of this thing and try to make it conform to some idea that fits the world or fits someone else that's having some sort of sensation and some sort of mold. We're what we are by the grace of God. Hallelujah to God. And far as I'm concerned, I'm happy about it right here tonight. Oh, glory. But he said, I want you to buy that gold that's been fired out of the fire. That's what I want you to have. I believe in old time preaching because it's been in the fire. I believe it. Somebody said not long ago, the reason that I am preaching what I'm preaching tonight is because I've preached all over this country and I've heard it from Dan to Beersheba and I've got the tummy ache about some of it and I want you to know. Yeah, don't be scared out of your wits. Hallelujah. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Nothing new do we want. We want the old time thing that's been tried. Praise God. You can't improve upon it because it's already been there. Hallelujah. We can't fashion it into a swift-moving vehicle because of the last days, but we've got to go ahead and buy what we've got, keep it, and use it to the glory of God. But I, I've heard that, uh, of course, that uh, I've told you the days of preaching's over, and this seems to be what is going on. Some say, I, I'm tired of ordinary service. I'm tired of coming in and just sitting down and having songs and having preaching and having prayer. Are you? What do you want? Well, I've heard those that are going to some of those places say, I'm tired of going in and sitting down and either I feel pressured to shout or I'm not, I'm not living for God. I'm backslid. I feel like I've either got to get up and get with it or else. I'll tell you what I'm hungry for tonight. I want the move of God, and we've had it, but I want the kind that's come out of the fire that's been there. Thank God for the prayer and the sweat and the trial and the fasting has proven it. I don't need somebody getting up telling me they can do it any time they want to and turning it on and trying to lead everybody in a course of speaking in tongues. Thank God. I advise you to buy of me the gold that's come out of the fire. Glory to God. I believe that's what he's asking us to do right here tonight. But I say buy. That's the roads of the rooftop. That's a way to get with it. Now, when Israel got ready to leave the promised land, somebody said, I'll tell you what, boys, count everything we got. One of them said, we don't want to leave one hoof behind. That's the way they felt about it. We don't want to leave anything. Guard your herds, take care of everything because we want to keep up with it. We don't want to lose anything. But I want to tell you what the Lord gave them the advice and said, I want you to go out and pick out the best thing that you got. And you come back and kill it. We're going we're gonna to splurge tonight and we're going to eat on this last night before we go out. I want you to go, wow, kill it. I've got to have everything that I've got and I've got to take care of it because it's getting close to the end and, and, and we're moving out and I'm going to need all of this. We're going to be in the desert. We better take care of it. The Lord said, I want you to go ahead and kill it. I want you to go ahead and have a feast on this night. Splurge on this last night. My advice to the church tonight is to go ahead and splurge and put it in to the work of God. 
Thank God. Don't be careful. I'm sorry that some things are down, I understand. And of course, it's because everybody is, is a little bit scared, perhaps. A little bit scared of the end, a little bit scared of the energy crisis and what have you. Everybody's kind of holding back. But the church is supposed to go ahead and put everything that you got into it and buy and get it with all that you've got. Do you believe it right now? When Jesus got ready to leave with his disciples, he told them, he said, Judas, that little bag of money that you've got in your hand, I want you to do something with that. Now, Lord, I'm going to tell you what. You're talking about a kingdom. You're talking about building something here now. And we've got just this little dab to start on. We're going to have to take care of this. And we're going to have to save it and keep it because we're going to need it. Uh, for sure, before it's all over with. But Jesus said, i tell you what I want you to do. I want to take that what you've got, and I want you to go down and rent us a place. I want you to go spend it, because we're going to need it right now. What about after you're gone? We're not going to need it after it's all over with. You go ahead and use it right now. And he had to go down and spend the money for that very purpose. I advise you to buy gold out of the fire. I believe you and I ought to be having a splurge on this very last eve of the coming of the Lord. How many here tonight actually believe that we're living on the verge of the return of Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. Thank God. I believe that the United States is looking for a champion. The whole world is looking for a champion. And he's about to step out and to take his place. That champion is about to come on the scene. And uh, he's going to be loved and he's going to be accepted. It kind of scared me a little bit the other day when I read where the oil producing nations and somebody told me that uh, and tells me that perhaps Armageddon will be fought over oil. I don't know. Perhaps so. But I read where that we're joining with the nine nations of the common market that try to control ourselves as to this very matter. And it tells me that we are getting ready. We already belong to 17 world organizations. And we're trying to find out we can't take care of our own business. And we can't keep it up on the level that we think we ought to. I say we're almost ready to subscribe to a champion that's ready to come forth and to take over. Oh, brother. And when that time gets closer, I get a little more anxious and I get a little more excited. I'm not nervous about it tonight and I'm not scared about it because I believe that in the last hours the spirit that dwells within us is going to overshadow us and we're going to feel that same spirit that lifted Jesus Christ that dwells in you. It's going to quicken or to make alive your mortal body and you're going to feel the quickening power. I have no fear the peace that passes understanding is dwelling among us. Not, I was privileged just the other day to come into Jerusalem and come to uh, the Wailing Wall and it was the high day. It was atonement day. And uh, when we got close, could hear a sound and it sounded like Pentecost in camp meeting. A roar was going up like you never heard before. And before I got there, I questioned. I said, what's going on? And the guide told me, said, that's the Jews. And they've come to the wailing wall. And they're praying right now that they're God. Something began to lift within me as I heard that roar. And I stood and watched those men with their hands on that wall. And they were crying out with all of their might. 
to their God. And I might tell you this, that demonstrations have been taking place in the last few weeks in the temple proper or in the Dome of the Rock, which is a Muslim temple. The Jews are going into the courtyards and are demonstrating. They have already gone into Machpelah in Hebron, which is the grave of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it was a Muslim mosque at that place. But the Jews said, this belonged to us as much as it does to you. And they went in and they started demonstrating. The Muslims rose up, but the Jews guarded it. And there were jeeps with huge guns all around that place. They searched you before you went in. They've divided it right now. And the Jews are worshiping their God inside of that mosque. And they tell me that it's already happening in the Dome of the Rock, the Mosque of Omar right now, which a lot of you have seen already. You're telling me, what do you think it means? I'm going to tell you what. Blindness in part has happened unto the Jews until the fullness or pleroma, which means a full number or a completed number of Gentiles have come in. Hardness has happened unto the Jews until a full number of Gentiles have come in. Glory. God's got a number in mind evidently because that's the connotation, that's the meaning of the word pleroma. That blindness has in part happened unto pleroma. Of course has come. I believe God's got a last saint somewhere in this world. I don't know where they are. They may be in Africa somewhere. They may be in this building right here tonight. But when that last saint is filled with the Holy Ghost, that's going to signal the fullness of the Gentiles. And I believe it's all going to be over. Glory! Hallelujah! When that completed number comes in, that's when God's going to take care of it. God has always dealt in fullness. When the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all accord in one place, and there came a sound from heaven. And now He tells us that when the fullness of the Gentiles comes, uh, then He's going to go back, and God is able to graft them in again. Oh, brother, I preach that we're standing on the very verge of the fullness of the Gentiles and God is getting his church ready to turn back to the Jew and we've got this advice for you tonight. Just keep yourself straight and keep on level ground and buy gold that's out of the fire. Don't try any new thing. Don't try to get somewhere by another means. But get on the rooftop and travel until you get there. It may be in Africa, it may be no telling where, but when that last saint is filled. Now there's a difference between the times of the Gentiles and the fullness of the Gentiles. And some folks don't know that. We, we had uh, a, a youth camp going on when the Six-Day War broke out, if you remember. And everybody uh, wasn't interested in prophecy before, was carrying their Bibles under the arm. Some of them had found the Antichrist because he had a patch on his eye. Turned out it was the wrong eye. Amen. Moshe Dion had on the wrong eye. But folks that wasn't interested in it before, all of a sudden got interested in it. And they were finding the Antichrist all over the place. And some were saying that when they march into Jerusalem, that means the times of the Gentiles over and that God, uh, that, that's it, it's all over with. 
Well, brother, they took Jerusalem that night and nobody had their suitcase packed and nothing happened. The difference is there is the reason there's a difference between the times of the Gentiles and the fullness of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles, uh, my friend, is from 606 B.C. until uh, the Antichrist is destroyed while he is in Jerusalem. But the fullness of the Gentiles that was referred to by Paul in the 11th chapter of the book of Romans has reference to God dealing with the Gentiles while the Jews are estranged from him. And he says, they're going to stay that way. And the original says, have they stumbled that they should fall? And the word fall, it means into ruin, complete ruin. No. He said, no, they have not stumbled. It is a mene, a type of construction which expects a negative answer. He says, no, they haven't fall that they should stumble into ruin. But hardness has just happened to them until then. It says they have just made a misstep. That's all. They've made a misstep. And when the fullness of the Gentiles come in, God will turn back to them. And he said if God is able to graft a bad tree into a good one, that is the wrong way to do it. You generally take a wild tree and graft a good one into it. But he did it backwards. He took a good one and grafted a wild one into it. And that's you and I. All I can tell you is that I'm thankful that some 25, 26, 27 years ago, that one night, thank God I got on the inside of that place and I found out that my God was visiting the Gentiles. James says he visited, which is just a short stay to take out a people for his name. But he's ready to turn back. But he says he's able to graft them in again. And that hour is upon us. I give it to you tonight just like it comes to me. I believe the days of camp meetings are about over. I believe the days of conferences are about over for us. I believe the cry is going up right now because things are ready for that final hour. And you need to put yourself in the place the quickest way that you know how of finding the power and the grace of God to get you out of this world in the last hour. Amen? How many ready to go tonight? You kind of wave your hand just a little bit. Glory. Nobody got out in front of me and told me how to do it. I sought God three nights. I squalled and bawled. I, 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 I snorted. It don't sound nice, but I snorted that older bench from one end to the other. Amen. I prayed kind of funny. I'd see God for a little while. I'd get up and go sit down. I don't know why. They'd tell me to pray. I'd try to pray. All I could do was just ball up and start squalling. Long about the third night I got where I could pray a little bit. The preacher said, Son, you feel like the Lord's forgiven you of your sins? And I said, Yes, I do. He said, Why don't you lift your hand and thank him for that? I lift my hands and I started saying Jesus. And every time I said it, it felt like I got booted about three feet higher. And I kept on saying it. I wasn't in a trance. I knew what was going on. But I was so happy I didn't care what was going on. Thank God. I knew it wasn't coming out right, but I was so happy I didn't care. I couldn't shout out loud enough to speak in tongues fast enough so I whistled for a while just as loud as I could even the saints thought I was crazy it's not so bad when the world thinks it but uh, I'll tell you what I got something that I knew what I had all the way home I told the preacher I said if Jesus comes tonight I'm ready to go and I've lived in that way I want to live tonight and from here on thank God as though he were coming that next moment because I believe that he can and that he will 
Oh, glory. The fullness is coming right now. When that number gets full, God is going to turn back to them. And, of course, we're getting ready. Paul instructs the church. He tells them how that it was through their fall that we obtained mercy, that through our mercy they might obtain mercy. Somehow or another, our attitude toward them is supposed to be reflected in this very hour, and we're supposed to project the attitude toward them. Have mercy, because it was through their fall that God had mercy upon you and I. Glory. And I feel like that we feel that as well. I told some fella while that war was going on, I was telling Jew in Lake Charles, I was firing, I was firing shots from my couch. Uh, I was exploding bombs uh, from my office. I was fighting right along with you because I know God is getting ready to turn back to them again. Oh, glory. And there's a lot of things that you and I are enjoying tonight that's about all over with. It's too late to try to make a new mold and try to fit it into a different direction. But we're going to have to keep it and look to the prophecy that Jesus gave us. A lot of things that he said would come to pass in that new day. The church has already tasted. We've already invested and we've already got it. The wilderness and the solitary places shall be glad for them. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with the joy of singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmon share they shall come and see the glory of our Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them, let a fearful heart be strong. And fear not because your God is coming with a vengeance. Even a God with a recompense for he will come and save us. Then shall the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap at the heart and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For in the wilderness waters are going to break out and streams in the desert. And the parched ground is going to become as a pool and the first to land is springs of water. For in the habitation of dragons where each lay there's going to be grass with reeds and rushes. And there's going to be a way there and a highway. And it's going to be called the way of holiness. No lines going to go their own, but the redeemed of the Lord is going to walk there. Then shall the ransom of the Lord return unto Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their head. And they're going to obtain joy and gladness and sorrow. And sighing shall flee away. I feel that the promise has already been tasted of by this church right here tonight that there has already been blessing and prophecy has already taken a shortcut as far as you and I are concerned and we're waiting right now on the literal fulfillment and the hour is upon us and we need to be taking the road off the rooftop and praising God with all of our heart. Oh glory, glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Some way or another tonight, I feel like that God would in our hearts let us know that the counting of the clock has brought it around. And I am disturbed by what I hear. I am disturbed by advice that comes from a long way in the distance. And we need to keep it right close, the words that he has spoken to us here tonight. Roads of the rooftop. Are you up there tonight? And are you ready to go? Hallelujah.
I ask you again, do you believe that it's that close? Do you feel that it's that close? Amen. Something unusual is happening. There's something in the air. A spirit of expectancy that walks among us. An attitude that's different than anything that we've ever felt before is among us. And you that are young to it, you remember that it's not always been so. But uh, ever so often driving down the road, my God will speak to my heart and he will to you and let you know that he's coming real soon. Thank God. Glory. The other day walking down through the church not even thinking about it, I felt something. I stopped by the altar, a compulsion to go to my knees, and while on my knees, hardly, and I touched the floor until I felt the Lord saying, I'm coming soon, and it, uh, it did something for me all over again. I believe we live under that hour, and we're walking right there, right now. Oh, glory. The hour is upon us. And we're almost ready to fly out of these things that's going to come to pass. I believe that the bombs are fixing to explode. I believe that my Lord is getting ready to appear in glory. I overlooked the valley of Megiddo the other day. And as I looked up, I said to myself and to God, it won't be long until I look up there or till I am up there and I'll be with him coming back. In Thessalonians, it talks about us going with him and then it talks or uh, going with him or him coming for us and then him returning with us. That's what I'm waiting for and I believe that you are as well. Praise God. Oh, brother, bye while you still got time. Paul said, Are not we all one bread? Have we not all been made to drink of one spiritual drink? That word bread is loaf. Haven't we all eat off of the same loaf before? Have you ever been so hungry you didn't care who was eating with you just so you got to eat it? Oh, yeah. I've been out on a hunting trip before. Everybody get a little hungry. All you had was a can of viney sausage. You set that up on the hood. Somebody get out his pocket knife. Maybe he just got through cleaning his toenails or something else. But when you get hungry enough, you really don't care. Oh, glory. Just start digging in. Thank God we're all one bread. Used to pick cotton and we had an old jug, Brother Kilgore, out the end of the row. had a toe sack wrapped around it. That was the cooler. You wet the toe sack and it kept the jug kind of cool in the water. You tried to beat the Websters to the end of the row if you could because they're kind of dirty folks and you tried to beat them. But if they happened to get there before you did, it didn't make any difference because you're thirsty enough. You just go ahead and drink it. Hallelujah. Oh, brother, are not we all one bread? And we've all drank out of that. We're in it together. Thank God all the way. And I believe that God is asking us tonight in this very hour to put our heart. I believe we ought to give more than we've ever given before. I believe we ought to worship more than we've ever worshiped before. I believe we ought to preach more than we've ever preached before. There should be no holding back. There should be no reserve. We should not be careful and confer not with flesh and blood. But listen. To my Lord in these last hours. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. I tried to picture what it'd be like, as I mentioned in those last hours of his coming, I've tried to feature what it was like. Tried to think what we'll be doing. It may be that we will dispense of service in its normal order. Maybe it will. Maybe we'll be just excited that we'll sit around and and uh, we'll talk about the exciting things that are happening. Amen. 
Maybe somebody will have this story and some will have that one. And it's almost like a storm brewing. Jesus said it himself relative to the hen gathering the brood under her wings. See the old wind picking up from the west and the sound of the storm as it comes. And finally, uh, the animals are able to sense it before anybody else. The colt starts running across uh, the lot and the animals start uh, carrying on. There's a sense of something in the air. I believe that that expectancy is to move over us. It's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And I said in the offset that you'd better get used to letting God have his way with you because one of these days you're going to have to trust yourself to him completely. Now, I've had the Holy Ghost to do some wonderful things for me, but I've never had it to do what it's going to do for me in that final hour. Hallelujah. I've slid up and down the aisle and stood on my head and had a good time, but I've never had it to change this body that I've got right here. But when that old storm starts coming and the wind starts blowing, and I feel that the hour is present, and I think that uh, we're going to sense that thing coming, the last hours of the church, an excitement that fills the heart of everybody. Oh, praise God. Excitement that you've never had before. We'll feel it all the way through. And when you see that, and when you feel that, you can know that it's almost over. Hallelujah. And I say get used to letting God have his way because you're going to have to trust yourself in that hour. I've never had him to change this body of mine, but he's going to change it in that last hour. Glory to God. And I'm going to feel myself being carried away. Oh yeah, I believe we'll fly. What kind of body will we have? Paul said, you fool, it's not the same one that you put in the ground because it's got to come out. He's going to take that seed and he's going to break it down to bare ground or to bare seed and then he's going to give it a body as it pleases him. And I believe that when it's all over with, that my God is going to change this body, tear it down exactly like he wants to, and create it just like I'll need over there. I'm waiting for that hour, and I'm preaching and living for that hour. And I adjure you in the name of my Lord tonight that you lift up your head and you look because it can't be too far off. The completed number of Gentiles has got to almost be there. And somewhere, sometime, it's going to be and we're trusting God for it choir's fixing to sing for us tonight and of course we take into consideration that there are those that, that would say what about me I don't even have the Holy Ghost I've never felt the power of God I don't have that spirit that will get me out of this world alive if I were you I'd fling myself at the door of the mercy of God tonight and I'd say hold that door open just a little longer until I can get in if I were you tonight I'd ask God if he'd wait on me oh glory just so I can get in and of course as time moves on moving toward that midnight hour I believe the world will feel the pressure and it will be an ungodly pressure more and more upon them while you and I are sensing his presence as it gets us closer and more ready but I wonder in this congregation if this were the night if there is no other preaching if there is no other message, if there is no other service, if you have come close, if you have been made aware of the fact 
that things are happening in your world and you're on the outside. That some way, somehow, you've got to touch God before it's all over with. I wonder if you'd fling yourself at the door of the mercy of God and say, help me, Lord, tonight. I want in. I want to be on the inside. I wonder tonight while we stand and this congregation is waiting upon God with their heads bowed. I wonder if that's...